the free for all roundtable round two Jerry Agar in for John Moore. John Moore is here on the panel. And once again, really quickly, before I introduce the rest of the panel, the reason for this topsy-turvy thing we're doing. Co-hosting with Lena Lantafat tonight at 7 o'clock on TV. We're on CP24, so you can watch our pretty faces, or one pretty face. Are you going to shave? I am going to shave, okay. yes. And I'm going to put on my Tom suit, as a matter of fact. All I right. was an object of a poll yesterday on Twitter as to whether I should wear a golf shirt or a Tom's Place suit. And okay. I didn't started. Uh, and that starts at 7. You can listen on News Talk 1010 and you can stream anywhere. That is the debate among seven of the mayoral candidates on tonight's debate. Also joining us, lawyer, professor, and activist Pamela Palmiter and News Talk 1010's Adjua Ansia Dubois. So yesterday she made it official. Bonnie Crombie, mayor of Mississauga, wishes to be, I think she's the fourth person in the race, but, you know, try to name the other ones. Uh, at this point. I can do it now, but, you know, I've been working this. Erskine Smith is, is Yeah, Nasir, uh, uh, Nasir Yagi. See? <laughs> And uh, <laughs> Mr. Shu. All right. Uh, but, Adjoy, were you surprised that in addition to her announcement that she's running, which was no surprise, everybody knew that, and she took on the premier, well, okay, why wouldn't she? Uh, but then she said she's open to development in the green belt. I, I was surprised. I was surprised she said that. I don't know if it was just saying the quiet parts out loud or or if it was just uh, she really intends to do it. Her, her difference, the way she makes, she stands apart from, I guess, the Ford government, uh, in her own words, she says that she would ask local communities before she actually sold off the green belt and started to develop on it. But then she sort of stepped back because of all the pushback she was getting. So I don't know. I guess she does stand with opening the green belt up to development. And if, if other communities are agreeing with it, I... I, I I think you should keep it as it is, has the green belt, and not overstep. That's that's how I feel. Well, um, in panel one, in round one, Shelly Carroll mm-hmm. was kind of defending um, Bonnie Crombie on that. Well, she'll talk to the community. Is that gonna, Pamela, to me, that's a distinction without a difference. Yeah, it's, it's just getting old where politicians can't stand by their convictions and they want to sit on the fence and be everything to everyone. Like the whole move of all these political parties to try to present themselves as center is um, really dishonest. And it, it shows that they don't stand for anything. And I, I would have expected more. Yeah, I, you know, I'm at the risk. I sort of held back on some of the things I was going to say on round one because I'm <laughs> I didn't want to repeat myself on round two. I just think it's a gaffe because uh, many people, and we don't have to mention any names, have established that you can run almost policy free. So why she decides on the day she declares to weigh in on one of the hot button issues? I mean, I get it. Not even on day one, but eventually, for example, any conservative leader has to say abortion is not on the table. We're not going to talk about abortion. We're pushing that, and so fine. You make a de- declaration and they keep moving. But Bonnie Crombie commenting on something as hot button as the green belt and is out of sync, I would think, with a goodly portion of her followers. I don't get it. All right. Now, uh, there's quite a bit of consternation in Toronto among many restaurateurs because they got the Cafe T.O. program to help them out through the pandemic. I think a lot of them decided, oh, maybe it's going to be permanent. And apparently it isn't. And now some of them are wanting to know if they can set up on the sidewalks or in, even on the street 
street where they were for some of this. And City Hall seems to be humming and hawing about the whole thing. Deputy Mayor Jennifer McKelvey was here yesterday talking to John Moore, said this. Well, I think we had approvals to the program in the spring, and that was because we have changed the program so that it has these accessibility requirements. So I think it was just the timing of the lessons learned from last year, the new guidelines on accessibility, the rollout of those grants, and I think we're in a good place. Importantly, um, this becomes a permanent program so that next year your applications are even faster to process and you're faster to get it out there. Pamela, do you think the restaurateurs are right to be concerned? Like, for God's sake, move it along. Yeah, of course. I mean, everyone needs certainty in business, and based on past practice, they had a right to think, well, this is going to happen again. And so uh, unless there's some overarching, very serious safety issue that hasn't been addressed yet, and that's the real reason, um, they just need to move administration along. Like, come on. Yeah, we kind of, we improvise this, like we improvise so many things at the beginning of COVID, and it was great. And yeah, we need to rig it up a bit to make it safe, but I also don't remember any car plowing into a Dine.to uh, yeah. to date, and we've been, this is our third year. I think we would have remembered that. Yeah. Uh, it, just, it strikes me as we we take something that works and then we try to bureaucratize it and we come up with a rule book and for people to be told you're not going to get approval until the middle of July, then, you know, like one of the restaurateurs I was talking with this week said, screw it, I won't do it. That's half the season. Adjua, are you a patio gal? I'm a patio gal. And I can, I can completely understand with why people who are in the business, the restaurateur business, how they're angered over this because... As John was saying, there was no problem during COVID. They were able to put this together, no problem, and it was quick and easy, and approval process was pretty fast. Yeah, it's bureaucracy at its worst, and you should. people have already suffered. Restaurants have already suffered during the pandemic. Allow them to have these patios, and you're good to go. It's just caught up in bureaucracy. Yeah, and when the deputy minister was talking about, or deputy mayor was talking about uh, accessibility, of course, what she means is like wheelchair accessible, yeah, for example. Yeah. And that's key. I mean, you can't have a place that is not accessible anymore. It's the rules. But there are also wooden ramps that you can buy for a hundred bucks and they're not ideal but until you build one out of cement you know six weeks from now then why can't we allow somebody to go ahead with that well if it's a cafe tayo thing you wouldn't be building one out of cement because those things come and go yeah but they've been putting in permanent ramps and then ripping them out at the end of the summer i think if i were a restaurateur or in anything really if they you know rather than humana 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 tell me yes or no if it's no i'll move on I, I mean, that's how I would look at it. So the federal government failed to spend billions of dollars it pledged on a host of climate change initiatives in recent years, raising questions about one of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's core policy commitments and the massive funding publicly devoted to it, a star analysis has found. So, uh, Pamela, is this we're getting lip service on these programs from the government or they, they just need more time? Well, it depends. Have they issued a schedule saying, yes, this is all going to roll out in the next six to 12 months, and yes, we'll have spent all of the money? Uh, the, a big concern is when any politician makes a promise and then waits years to implement it, and you run out of time, and money has to be reappropriated from Parliament or not spent at all. And that's a real problem. If you're truly committed, you have to start from the get-go and issue these things. But he's he's in a tricky position because he's very quickly approving things like pipelines that contribute to climate change but very slowly acting on climate action promises. So if he wants to be seen as uh, genuine, then he 
he better get his folks in line and start spending some of this money. Yeah, you know what? Um, there is, Pamela's absolutely right that there is this, it's beyond a disconnect. I mean, the, this particular government buys pipelines and then tells everybody not to use the result of those pipelines. But the other aspect in all of this is a lot of this money is stuff that was set aside for programs and it just hasn't been spent yet. And also, let's not fool ourselves. Government is not going to be, you know, captaining the climate change agenda or the carbon reduction agenda. This stuff is happening all around us. Private industry is already doing it. Government creates the framework and offers some uh, backstopping. But, uh, you know, this is there's radical change underway right now that has nothing to do with Justin Trudeau. Okay, but if a government says we're going to do this, then whether I agree with the program or don't agree with the program, then I don't know why they don't go ahead and do it. I mean, Adjua, uh, we got the Michelin star program recently and the top Michigan star Michelin starred restaurant in Toronto. Toronto. I'm going to take you there to dinner. I've budgeted the money. I'll get back to you on when. <laughs> well, in their defense and in the defense of the liberal government, they said they were going to do this in the timeline and they've extended the timeline till what is it, 2028 to 2029. So it's an additional 10 years. And they're also blaming COVID, which was a factor is why things weren't getting rolled out as quickly as there were, they were because they were focusing on COVID and the COVID recovery and all of that. So I understand. So the money is there and it's coming. And I, I would say wait until 2028, 2029. As we know, when it comes to government, things are always slow to move and there are always delays, always delays. All right. So uh, now we have learned that uh, it wasn't just Marco Mendocino's office, public safety, um, prisons, uh, that knew that Paul Bernardo was going to be transferred ahead of time, that at least a month ahead of time, Prime Minister Trudeau's office knew. The Prime Minister and the Minister are both saying, well, uh, yeah, but we didn't know. Anybody want to go first saying maybe these two are lying to us? I don't know that they're lying. I think that, I mean, if it's true what happened with Marco Mendicino, then his staff is, they're idiots. Uh, you don't leave your minister hanging out there without telling your minister everything you know about something. And the idea of sort of offering him plausible deniability, well, I didn't know that Paul Bernardo was being moved. Well, yeah, but your staff knew for three months, so it's ridiculous. I think we do have to partition things, though, because in every government, there is the political side of things and there is the policy side of things. Policy-wise, the government has no operational control over Corrections Canada. Uh, Politics-wise, they should have been way ahead of this, and out of common decency to the families, they should have been way out of you know, out of it. Yeah, I don't have a memo so that I can prove, Adjua, that Marco Mendicino or Justin Trudeau are lying. I do not have that. I find it hard to believe there wasn't one person in the chain of events who understood who Paul Bernardo is and said, Minister or Prime Minister, here's what's happening. We can say that, but we don't know. So I can surmise a whole bunch of different things. But what it comes down to, it's poor communication. And this should not have happened. Somebody at this level of atrocities that he committed against these three individuals i just i just don't understand how that in and when you go down the chain of things and you look at it how did this even get to this point where it's just poor communication and getting that message out and making sure that the families know or that we as citizens know that he's getting moved and you're finding out last minute I don't know. I, I don't agree with Pierre Polyevra on a lot of things, but maybe this fa- staffer does need to go. Well, Pamela, at what point mm-hmm. does the buck stop at the leader's desk? 
Well, here's the thing. I worked in the feds for 10 years at Indian Affairs and Justice Canada, and we are supposed to do briefing notes and speaking notes, press notes and everything else. But there have been many occasions when the bureaucrats simply don't do that and then they leave their minister hanging. So if that was the situation here, that's pretty that's pretty serious business. And I would I would never firstly assume that they're lying unless there's evidence, because I've seen it myself working in the feds, how often bureaucrats leave the minister holding the bag on a whole bunch of issues, not just things like this. All right. Well, Adjua and Pamela, thank you very much for participating in the panel. You might wonder if you just joined us, why is Jerry Agar in there early, early interfering in the morning show? Uh, and the reason, John? Because uh, I was worried about losing my voice and I wanted to get a decent night's sleep and prepare for tonight's debate. Seven candidates for mayor, including, because uh, I think this is sort of the MSG of this particular affair, Anthony Fury will be present. And uh, Lena Lantafet and I will be hosting. She's on CP24. I'm here. And worth mentioning, of course, Jerry, that we're going to be unpacking this after the debate tonight, right here on News Talk 1010 with a special show. And then tomorrow morning, Yes, I'll be a little punchy, perhaps. You'll be here tomorrow? I will be here tomorrow morning. I wouldn't miss it to be Uh, able to, because I was in the room where it happened. I'm on vacation as of now. Are you? Uh, yeah, and I'll be gone tomorrow and for a week. But I'm gonna I'm gonna tune in on the debate and participate later tonight. Okay, good stuff. Okay. All right, and Mark Tui is next on Newstalk 1010. Catch the roundtable round one at 7:45, round two at 8:45, weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.